Blog Talk Radio. I'm Don Henderson, and we'll take you through for the next almost two hours' time with a hope of a number of great guests to talk about what's happening in the world of sports. And as always, Roy Cummings is in Tampa, Florida. Big story there today, of course. Tom Brady, we'll check on that first. 
Roger Henry in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, so many things going on in Atlanta. Another tragedy for the football program over there. Frank Carroll, our executive producer, is always behind the controls. And we look forward to a great show today. We're going to jump right into it. No dedications this evening. So, Roy Cummings, let's get right to you. Uh, the big announcement at 4 o'clock to the Bucks, 6 o'clock to the rest of us uh, on his cell phone. Tom Brady has called it quits. Yeah, it appears as though it's uh, he means it this time and that it's going to stick. Uh, we'll wait and see, but, you know, because obviously uh, things can change. You know, you get uh, you get you get sitting around the house and doing nothing and uh, you start rethinking things. And I'm sure at some point he'll probably reconsider. Um, but whether he actually comes back or not, I, I think I think it's going to stick this time. I think that, um, you know, he probably was ready to retire last year, obviously, but, but just couldn't quite bring himself to do it, felt he had a little bit more in him. And I think his past season might have told him that, hey, you know what, I, I just don't have the mobility uh, right now. If I'm not playing behind the right offensive line uh, and with a great deal of, you know, good weapons, both in the running game and the passing game, uh, I'm, I'm looking at getting hurt. So uh, he's fortunate that he walked away from this season, really, when you consider it all, uh, as much as he was under pressure. And I think uh, he's probably realized that, hey, you know what? It was one hell of a good run. Uh, at some point, you got to, you know, what, what more do I have to accomplish? Really nothing much more. And um, so I think, he's, I, think, I, think he's, I think he means it this time, and I think he'll stay away. He's got obviously a great job with Fox waiting for him. A lot of other things he can do. Um, sounds like he wants to really, you know, try to spend some time with his family. Um, and it uh, looks like he's going to do that. So good for him. Roger, we talked about it a little bit earlier, and uh, your observations first. And, uh, what do you uh, What do you think about it? Well, I'm getting some interference here. We'll have to get rid of that. I, I can hear you fine tonight, Roger. Go ahead. Hello. Well, while we get that cleared up, we'll come yeah. back uh, and I'll he's, talk, he's to, talk call, to Roy again. Okay, well, I want to come back to Roy. <clears throat> Roy, I think you're a pretty astute observation there. My, I said to Roger before we went on the air tonight that I thought there were several factors. Uh, one that I think you were exactly right. He, he thought this time it was really the time to quit. Secondly, I don't think there were really that many options out there. Uh, Roger's is trying to really yeah, I'm back. He's yeah, trying I'm to feed the network and, uh, and maybe talk to the Jets since the offensive coordinator came from Green Bay to the Jets. He's uh, at least making some uh, overtures in that direction today, according to the New York Post. And secondly, uh, I have to have a feeling that Fox compromised last year and said, okay, we're, gonna, we're willing to sit back and uh, let you take this one more year. And I think at the end of this year, I, I really believe they had to tell him it's either now or we're not going to, you know, we're not going to extend for another year. That, they're, they're my thoughts up to date, Roy. Yeah, I, I, I think Fox would wait for him no matter what. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're getting Tom Brady. Um, you know, how good he's going to be, we have to wait and see. But, but that's a real coup. I mean, I think they're, they'd be willing to wait. I'm sure the contract has some kind of language in it that says, you know, when he's ready to do this, he does it. But, again, um, you know, clearly – he has decided that now is the time, and uh, and again, good for him. I I, I really think that uh, he realized that uh, he probably sat back and you know assessed it all, and finally came to the realization. It's like you know what more can I do? I mean, there there really isn't much more 
he could do. I mean, he could, you know, challenge George Blanda, I guess, and try to, you know, play at the age of 50-something. But, um, you know, how, uh, but you know, does he actually get there? You know, and, and what's the team going to be like that he's with? Um, you know, the Bucks really can't afford him at this point. Uh, and I think there's several other teams out there. Most of the good teams probably can't afford him right now. And I think that's probably part of it. And he realizes that uh, in order to go to a team, you know, he's probably going to have to go to a team that's struggling, much like the Bucks when he came to Tampa. You know, I mean, that was a team that was, you know, down and out. And obviously, you know, he, he worked his magic along with uh, Rob Gronkowski. And uh, he did come to a team that had some uh, had some weapons. But, uh, you know, he's fortunate in that regard. I mean, you, there's a lot of talk about the Raiders. You know, he, he could have possibly gone to the Raiders. You look at the Raiders right now. I mean, is it really a Super Bowl contender? I don't think so. Uh, I'm not sure that team is, uh, you know, as far advanced as the Bucks actually were, at least offensively, uh, when, when he came on. So, you know, I, I think he realized that if I'm going to go somewhere else, it's probably going to be, uh, it's going to be a bit of a, of a grind uh, to get to where I want to be. And do I really just want to play to play? Probably not. Roger, I think we're there now. Go ahead. Yeah, they, uh, well, sorry for the interference. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, a couple of things. Uh, number one, getting uh, uh, staying with the Raiders, i got to believe that if Josh McDaniel uh, doesn't do better next year, he might be in a short leash to be gone, okay, because uh, he's not really impressed anybody uh, as a head coach either here or when he was, what, Denver, right? And uh, the, that's number one. Number two is I was reading an article, uh, I think it was from CBS, and when you think about the AFC uh, and how many good young quarterbacks they have, and, uh, you know, and I think the, uh, the NFC uh, is getting better. Obviously, uh, the, uh, the uh, Eagles and the uh, Cowboys uh, and the Giants have uh, good young quarterbacks. But one of the things that we've talked about in the past that I read on an article today, and, and it just brought brought it back home to me. And, you know, Roy, I mentioned about uh, drafting a younger quarterback uh, in uh, the, below the first round, where they get them cheap, and then they uh, can uh, keep them for four years. And there are people that are starting to think in that direction so that the uh, quarterback uh, cost uh, in, in the, uh, uh, you know, in the total spectrum of things against the cap uh, won't be as bad. What do you think about that? Oh, clearly uh, teams want to do that. Um, you know, that's the ideal situation. Uh, you go out no and doubt. spend the last – you spend the last draft pick in the draft uh, on Brock Purdy, and uh, he gets you to the playoffs and uh, puts you in a position. He gets you to the NFC Championship game, and if he doesn't go down, maybe you win that game. That's that's the ideal situation. Every team would love to do it. The problem is, and what's what I'm just I, I cannot begin to understand or fathom, because I don't see this in any other sport, is how wrong teams get quarterback analysis and and uh, and scouting when it comes to these guys coming out of college, I, they, they get it wrong more often. They get it right. Uh, probably 75% of the time they get it wrong. Maybe 80% of the time they get it wrong, way wrong. Um, you know, just go back, go, go back through history and look at, you know, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, look at the number, number of number one overall and second and third of, you know, top 10 picks 
that were quarterbacks who flamed out in the first two or three years. A lot of reasons for it. They go to bad teams, they, and teams give up on them too quickly. But at the end of the day, they, they never really seem to, to, to survive it and come back. Um, so I, I'm just, I just can't believe how wrong NFL teams get it because you don't see it in any other sport, you know. Um, Major League Baseball teams don't miss on pitchers that often. Uh, they don't miss on catchers. They don't miss on, you know, NHL teams don't miss on goalies. They don't miss on, right. Uh, you know, right-handed, right-shot right right defensemen. Um, NBA teams don't usually miss on, uh, you know, big power forwards or things like Except that. Ben Simmons. Well, yeah. <laughs> like I said, they don't miss that often. Right. They never, you know, it's not, they're not hitting the target every time. But I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked at it. And so, yeah, clearly teams want to do that. And, I, you know, I haven't begun to look at the draft yet this year but I mean the Bucks are a pretty good example I mean uh, you know they they went out and got uh, the kid out of Florida and you know first they got Jameis Winston all right and I still think Jameis look Jameis Winston still holds records for the Buccaneers and I still think he could he can win uh, he could have won with the Bucks if they had had a defense it could have uh, two things he needed a defense that could you know hold the lead uh, for him, and number two, he needed a kicker that could uh, win a game for him, and you know, in the final seconds, he had neither uh, during his four years in Tampa, and you know, his uh, his legacy will take a, a hit as a result of it. But you know, now the Bucks have Kyle Trask, somebody they picked up in the mid round, and you know, they think he's going to be a quarterback for him. But boy, we've seen nothing to suggest that. So you know, once again, it's uh, you know, I, I don't know where the you know why the scouting goes so wrong, but. Um, Tom Brady, obviously uh, a generational player, once in a generation kind of kind of guy who uh, you know somebody uh, somebody got that one right, and I think they might have got it right about Brock Purdy too. So we'll see. Well, let me ask you about Purdy. Uh, do you really think that the Forty ers would have won that game if he uh, had uh, not been uh, injured? Well, there's no way of knowing, but let's not crown the Eagles as the Super Bowl champions just yet, guys. You know, uh, the Eagles are a nice team, okay? I'm not They're ready to put them team. up there with the seventy with the seventy six Steelers or anything. I mean, I mean, come on. I, 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 I yes, I do think the the, the 49ers could have won the game. It's impossible to know whether they actually would have. Um, I mean, it wasn't like uh, you know. I mean, it took a while for the Eagles to really put them away. Uh, so if you've got somebody out there that can actually move the ball for you. Uh, you know, I think it would have been a much closer game. So we'll see. But, um, you know, uh, so look, I, you can't be anything but impressed with what Brock Purdy has done. Uh, as long as he was healthy, he was the best quarterback that the, you know, at least the second best team in the NFC had this year. And uh, he came out of nowhere, in essence. And, it's not, you know, you go back and look at him in college, and it's not like he was a, a you know, a chump. I mean, the kid, the kid played, and he played well, played at a high level. And uh, it seems like uh, I'll say this: it seems to me like somebody in San Francisco n- understands how to how to uh, assess a quarterback's talent level because they're loaded at the at the position. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with Brock Purdy now, but they're clearly going to move somebody because they got uh, they're 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 so oh, top heavy at the G. position. Yeah, Jimmy G. Well, I mean, he was going to get yeah, moved we'll anyway. See. Yeah. Well, we'll well see. the we'll reason see. I say that is. Uh, Purdy did not uh, – every game he won, the 49ers had the lead. And okay, well, the, this is just it. <laughs> Defenses still win championships. Brock Purdy well, well, I do answer your question, Roger. One, uh, Belichick is one who 
drafted only through necessity, drafted down for a quarterback a couple of years ago. He wasn't in a position to draft one in the first round. And everybody thought, geez, how lucky can he be that he got all the way through that far down in the draft before he finally got a quarterback that he wanted right from the beginning. Right. <clears throat> Number two, in the game with Purdy on Sunday, uh, I think would have been a much better game had the, had the uh, coaching staff decided to take a knee in the last minute and 30 seconds, run the clock out, and he went at halftime down only 14-7. to seven. I thought that was a tremendous coaching decision, wrong coaching decision by the 49ers. I think they would have made it more of a game. Secondly, I thought, unfortunately, after that happened, there was no game to watch. I mean, the, you know, the, the Kansas City game was outstanding, although what a tremendous blunder that was. But to me, once you got by the half of the Eagles and the 49ers, what I expected to be a Super Bowl game turned out to be nothing. It was a terrible game after that. Well, I, I agree. I will say uh, this, that that was a bad uh, decision uh, by Kyle Shanahan. The other bad decision was uh, kicking, uh, deferring, okay, because that gave the Eagles the opportunity to go down the field, get the t- uh, touchdown on the first series, and then that was it, okay? In, in many ways, it wasn't, but uh, uh, it, it set the tone because – uh, I think that uh, they should have uh, received and uh, kept the Eagles from uh, having the offense on the field right away. But that's my opinion. Roy? Well, I, uh, you know, I can see um, – I mean, first of all, I, I agree, Don. You're absolutely right. Uh, and, Roger, you're right as well about the, the decision at the, at the end of the half. Um, look, in that situation, you're down by a score – you go into the – you should go into the locker room, reassess things, find out if Purdy can play. If he can't, you've got to redo your game plan here and say, okay, right. what are we going to do? And what happens if, you know, what happens if Josh Johnson goes down, which was another, you know, issue. So, um, but uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, the coin flip thing, um, you know, I, I, I can see it either way. But uh, clearly, uh, that look, that's a decision that's made – you know, on usually on Tuesday or Wednesday, the teams know well in advance what their plan is. Um, and I think what, you know, what you want, and look, let's face it, there's no question. Uh, the, the 49ers have a defense that you want to put on the field. That's a weapon. And if you're putting that defense out there on the field and you can steal a, a possession right off the top, well, all of a sudden, you know, you've taken uh, the crowd, which was a big factor out of this game. And uh, granted, it did not work out for them, but uh, you know that's the risk you take when you're in the game this, you know, of this magnitude and uh, against a team as good as uh, the Eagles. But uh, the Plus Eagles you're are getting the kickoff to start the second half. I mean, it's not like yeah, you're exactly. you're yeah. down fourteen to seven and you're getting the ball to start the second half after you've had a chance to regroup at halftime. Didn't make any sense yeah. to me at all. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I see your point. I mean, it's just, it, yeah, exactly. If you're talking again about not, not about not taking the knee, yeah, that was just, that's just, that was a brain cramp. I don't, I don't know why he, he, he felt the need to, uh, to try to get aggressive there. That's not where you get aggressive. But um, you know, again, you've been through a lot in that in that half. Uh, at some point, you got to, you know, take a step back, reassess things, and, and come out with a new attack. And uh, that didn't happen. So. Um, in one of those moments where Kyle Shanahan, you know, for the most part, he, he makes pretty good decisions. This was not a good one. Well, he's had a Roger? couple in, in, in big games. I mean, uh, he was the offensive coordinator 
in the uh, uh, Falcons uh, Super yeah. Bowl loss. Okay, yep. Yep. he should have kept yep. his foot on the metal, the, uh, to the pedal, you know, and and he didn't. <laughs> I mean, they blame Dan Quinn. Hey, wait a minute, Dan Quinn's the head coach. He's the offensive coordinator, and he's still and he's the one calling the plays now. So. I mean, I, I, you know, that's the way I feel about it. I'm not the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan, to be honest with you. But, Phil, how do you justify what happened in the second game? How do you justify being tied 30-30 with no chance of the game not going into overtime and the stupidity? I mean, how can you just walk away from that? I watched the interview with the coach after the game, which it was nice of, I guess, to come out and do it. But – and he glossed over it. What a lot of big plays in the game that we could have made that cost us the game. You got to be kidding me! How how can you be a pro football player and do something as stupid as that? All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I'm Don. I'm going to respectfully disagree with you here. I don't okay. think stupidity had anything to do with it. That kid was was inches away from making the play that allowed that game to overtime, allowed that game to go to overtime. Here's the thing. All of a sudden, a guy who's been hobbling around for three quarters of the game and can barely seem to even get, you know, barely set up to throw a pass downfield, Patrick Mahomes, is now suddenly mm-hmm. running the ball, all right? And he's running for the sidelines, and he's going for the first down. And you've got to try to stop him from – if you let him go, He's going to gain 14 yards instead of 12, all right? And what happens there is you've got the first down and you've got what you need to, to kick the, the field goal and win the game, which is – but, you know, in order to make the play and prevent him from getting the first down, you've got to hustle and you've got to play – you've got to bust your can there. And that's what the kid did. And he was inches away from making the play of the game. It didn't work out, but at some point, sometimes, you know, think of it, and, and you know, let's face it, it's, it's just like this. Sometimes, unfortunately, you know, if you're driving your car and somebody stops in front of you, you can't brake in time, and that's what happened here. You know, he couldn't brake in time. I don't think he did it on, you know, he didn't purposely hit the guy out of bounds. His momentum took him into that situation, and, and that was the result of the play. Momentum is what uh, is what, you know, caused that penalty there more than anything. I don't think it was stupidity. I think it was just pure momentum. And let's not forget, inches away from making a really big play that saves that game rather than cost them the game. Well, I looked at it from a lot of different angles and a lot of different people talking about it, and i got to agree with you. I gotta, I, I, we don't disagree very often, but I disagree 100% on that one. Frank Carroll, you're a football man, a coach. What did you think of that last play? I didn't like it at all. I mean, he knew damn right well he was out of bounds to, to hit a guy out, to throw a guy out like he did. Um, that was not. Uh, you, you just you try and teach the kids from very the very beginning what the guidelines are. The guy there's a guy who's been around the, the league for a long time, has played football for a long time, and purposely tried to hurt somebody. Uh, and I think the uh, I, I I'm go I'm going with the ref. I I would I would have flagged him. Plus, also, I'll just add this one point. He needed the 15 yards to be able to kick the field goal, mm-hmm. not five yards or six yards. Yeah, he needed all right. 15 to put he himself did. in a position mm-hmm. to kick the field goal. Roger, you're up. 
Yeah. No, he did. But let's talk about something you and I have talked about, Don, the poor officiating because they don't keep the teams together. They supposedly have the best at each position. I think they've got to reconsider that because some of these calls are totally ridiculous. What, what do you think, Well, Roy? including including the, uh, the catch-non-catch or non-catch-catch that led to the Eagles' first touchdown. Let's not, they got right. that one wrong. I mean, and, again, this is a situation where you kind of wonder a little bit about Kyle Shanahan's staff. When that right. kid comes away from that play banging his fist clapping. together. Yeah, yeah, not clapping, banging his fist together. That's a no, sign that's that we – Yes. Yeah, we got. But even they said on the telecast, we went away. We went away too early. We never showed you the replay that showed he dropped the ball until they came back. They, well, they, they even said on the telecast they were wrong. They went. They went away too early before they reviewed it. I, I hear you, but again, you're paying people good money to make right. a quick decision, and it can be a game-changing decision as to whether a guy made a catch or not. And in that situation, it's early. You know, if they if they if they uh, throw the flag out there, the, the red flag, and and ask for a review, and they get it wrong, they lose a timeout. But I don't know, man. That put them in position, and and I just think that uh, I thought that was an area where the 49ers might have messed up because it was just way too uncertain. I mean, it looked like a great catch, and and 40 years ago, guys, uh, that would have been a catch no matter what, without question. But it, we're in a different age now. Everything right. is reviewed, and if you've got a shot at uh, uh, if you think there's any chance whatsoever, sometimes you got to throw that red flag out there and challenge it. And I thought that was, uh, but again, you're talking, we're talking about officiating, and the officials got that wrong. And and unfortunately, what happens is too often is they err on the side of what's wrong, knowing that they can get it right through review. They kind of lean right. on review to, to 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 make up for their mistake. And we saw a lot of that in this one. I mean, it was yeah. It, Roger, you're on the mark here. They're horribly officiated uh, both games, and uh, they got to be better come Super Bowl because you don't want another Super Bowl contested by the officials. Uh, it's bad enough that two games already here have been uh, contested as a result of the officials uh, at the championship level. So it's it's really unfortunate. Well, I, I heard from a couple of uh, people, NFL people that I respect. Uh, that uh, associated with the NFL, let's put it that way, that they feel that, hey, that could have been stopped by New York because they could have uh, seen the the, uh, the play and told the uh, official to review it. What do you, what about and that, that happens many times, Roger, that they do stop yeah. the game when the officials on the field have not. New York has. That's not That would right. not be an odyssey. Especially but I think, in the look, playoffs. I, I, Give the kid look. Give the kid credit for the Eagles. He's running. He's running back to the huddle there, saying, "Let's get going. Go, go, go. Hurry it up. Hurry it up." And they let. They did that. Hello. Hello. Did we lose Hello. Roy? Did we lose Hello? Roy? Can you hear me, Don? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we lost Roy, Frank. Frank, did we lose Roy? Did we lose Frank? <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to bring up, just to follow what you were saying, while Frank gets us reorganized here, uh, if you looked at the paper today, 
conspiracy theories run amok if the NFL has such bad officiating. Uh, the columnist uh, from uh, down in, uh, in Palm Beach uh, wrote the article saying, you know, this gives all kinds of uh, opportunities for people to say, well, this, you know, they, they're not doing this right, they're doing that. It's a conspiracy. To, well, you know, that's all crazy, but it, it opens the door when you do something like this. And especially with all the gambling that's now, you know, no doubt about it. Frank? We lost Roy? Where's Roy? Sounds like something. Yeah, we we must have lost Roy, Frank. All right. Well, we'll we'll close out that segment. Let's go to the leading sportscaster in Philadelphia, the man that's in the booth with those Philadelphia Eagles. The team that's going for the Super Bowl, and uh, the team that everybody is now saying is the best team in football at the moment, not only this year, but it looks like they're going to be the best team in football for a couple of years because of the young talent that they have backing up some of the veterans. Billy Werndell, always a pleasure to have you join us. Your observations on, first of all, a game, what, what was supposed to be a, a super game on Sunday in Philadelphia turned out to be a dud. Well, it was a dud, but, you know, the Eagles took care of business. You know, that knocked out Brock Purdy, and they also knocked out Josh Johnson, the two quarterbacks. This brings up the very interesting topic that you should be able to have a third quarterback. If two quarterbacks go down, you should be able to play this third quarterback, but you can't bring the two injured quarterbacks back in the game. And they had that rule in place a number of years ago, then they removed it. I think it'll go back in place. Uh, next season but look the Eagles took care of business I mean they just handled the 49ers and they handled that vaunted defense they ran the ball 44 times just as they did against the Giants they controlled the line of scrimmage both offensively and defensively and they are very very good football team I'm not ready to anoint them as a, a great dynasty yet they have to take care of business in the Super Bowl And the other question, Don and Roger, they have a number of unrestricted free agents. I know the salary cap is going up $17 but they have the Jalen Hurts contract to deal with, and they have a number of very interesting players that are going to have to make decisions. The the two decisions they're going to have to make is with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, aging veterans, and Howie Rosen admitted uh, the last time around, they held on to the guys much like the Phillies did with Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and people like that. You have to turn the page. They were solid contributors for a long, long time, but you have to make difficult decisions if you want to keep a team on that uh, ascending curve. And if if you don't do that, if you fall in love with players because they were good soldiers for you for a number of years you can get in a lot of trouble so those decisions will have to be made and they're difficult decisions to say the least and the running back too is uh, right at that point where now what he uh, he did have a good day uh, the other day no question about that uh, sanders i'm talking about and uh, yet he's on that that cusp too because they got a couple of young running backs right behind him that are uh, you know right there in the low-income low category. Right. They are in the low-income category, Don, and that brings up an interesting point. The guy who really had a breakout game 
uh, was Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell. He was a real, real factor in the game. Miles Sanders is a free agent. He's going to command a lot of money. And remember, right. they have de-emphasized the running back position in the NFL. He's not going to command that kind of money, and the Eagles cannot afford to uh, overspend for a running back. Yeah, that's why they're saying he's one of the ones they're saying it would be on the cusp of whether they're going to make that kind of decision depending on how much money they have to pay him. Right. And, and the other situation is James Bradbury, C.J. Yeah. Gardner-Johnson, people like that, T.J. Edwards, who are very, very key components on this football team this year, are all free agents. And it'll be interesting to see how he, how, how he maneuvers through the free agent market. Thank Roger. goodness they have Hassan Reddick. Well, that was a great signing by Hassan Reddick. Tremendous signing. Three years, $45 million. I think he's the MVP, uh, the, uh, the best defensive player in the National Football League this year, I feel. This guy's a difference maker out there. He causes havoc for any offensive tackle in the league. I mean, with his sack, I mean, he's just a relentless pass rusher. And I think that that was one of the great signings by Howie Roseman. Well, as you say, they're they're sitting in a position where they have a lot of young players behind players. They're going to really help the cause. And, and uh, the New York Post had a terrific story today on the Philadelphia Eagles and what they thought uh, that they were going to be in a position because of the the depth of their team and the young players that they're going to you know they're talking about three or four years down the line. Now that's a very tough decision to make, but they do have, and you've pointed it out time and time again, Billy, that the draft and the young players that they have behind the starting players, Cox, for instance, is at the end of the line, but they're going to move somebody right in behind them. Jordan Davis, the big defensive tackle out of Georgia. Uh, Kobe D, the outstanding linebacker at Georgia as well, who played special teams, played sparingly on defense when the game were out of hand. So they have a lot of good young players. That's why the upcoming draft is very important. They have three picks in the first top 61, I believe. So they mm-hmm. can make hay as far as getting more young players in the system, and then they can make decisions for this football team going forward that will not impact them taking a step backwards. Roger? Do you, do you think they'll draft a quarterback, Bill? What round? Well, okay, period. You know, the uh, – okay. I'll tell you what I would do. If I'm Howie Roseman, I'm looking at video of quarterbacks who can run the offense if something happens with Jalen Hurts. Gardner Mm -hmm. Minshew will not be back next year. He's a free agent. He wants to be a starting quarterback. I want to find a guy, maybe not with the skill set of Jalen Hurts, but that can run – that RPO offense, that's what they need. And you bring up a good point about the quarterback. I mean, they need a backup quarterback in case Hertz goes down that can do a good, good job in his absence. So they should be looking for that, whether it's in free agency or the draft. Yeah, well, Billy, they, they gave a little bit of leverage by upping the, uh, the ceiling now. And, uh, you just pointed out at the top of the interview uh, they do have a little flexibility now with money because uh, what they added an extra twenty what twenty five million well I don't know the no, exact 17 number seventeen million Don seventeen, 17. million dollars more than uh, 
salary cap. But again, you have the Jalen Hurts contract looming. Now, it's not going to be that impactful the first year or so, but down the road, you know, you, you hope the salary cap continues to go up, but Jalen Hurts is going to command a lot of money. And, you know, you, you have to be very cognizant of that. So what do you that's, do going That's where you forward? build your other team out of business. If you give, give that quarterback too much money, you don't have money to pay the other people. Well, look what happened in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. All, All right. right. They gave him the store. Did they go to the Super Bowl? No. They go to the playoffs? No. I mean, so you have to be very, very careful. Lamar Jackson uh, with, with the Baltimore Ravens, I believe they're going to bring him back next year. But again, Patrick Mahomes eats up a lot of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, salary cap. So you have to be very, very careful what you do when you write a big check to that quarterback because it impacts the rest of your roster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Roger? Yeah, and not everybody, every quarterback isn't like Tom Brady that sacrificed uh, some of his money uh, to make sure the team was good, and that's why they won uh, so much. Bill, on a personal note, are you going to be able to uh, go to the uh, Super Bowl and work uh, with Merle on the broadcast team? Yes, I will. I will be oh, leaving great. this Friday, and I would just started, started doing my spotting boards uh, for the Super Bowl. I finished up the Kansas City offense. I'll do the defense either later tonight or tomorrow morning, and I'll do a new Eagles board, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I did the first Super Bowl the Eagles were in, 1980-81 season, when Dick Verveel was the head coach, and uh, I'm looking forward to this one as well because, you know, there's nothing like a Super Bowl, especially when you grow up in Philadelphia, and they've only been there four times, and you just hope it'll be a charm and win that game against the Kansas City Chiefs because, look, it's not that easy to get, get to a Super Bowl, and to win it is uh, the cherry on top of the Sunday. Billy, let me ask you this. You're right there in Philly. You're right in the heart of it right now. You will be this week and, of course, more importantly, all next week when you're out there in beautiful Arizona. But uh, how about Reed? How about Reed coming back against the Philadelphia Eagles? Is there, you know, a a lot of sentiment both ways out there? Don, let me tell you something. They want to beat Andy Reed in the worst way. I mean, look, Andy did a very good job here. He got the team to – a number of championship rounds. They went to the Super Bowl one time under Andy Reid. But I'm telling you, this city is really gripping for Andy Reid. They want to go after him. They want to show, hey, Andy, you you didn't get it done in Philadelphia. We got it done now. And look what we've done. So, I mean, the, 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 the fan base, the radio, TV, they're all after Andy Reid. And they want to say, look, we are the champions. We are the champions. So and leading the be, way is Angelo Cataldi. No question about it. Angelo is waving that banner. You know, I had Angelo on my show today, and I, I thought it was yes. And Angelo was very, very interesting to say the least. But he is not a big Andy Reid fan, and he went after him. Not big. He's, a, he's not, not a big Andy Reid fan. He's a he's a hater. He is. Well, <laughs> he does not like Andy Reid. I hate to use that word hater, but he does not like Andy Reid at all. 
And yet, again, people want to stick it to Andy for that Super Bowl uh, because they feel as though he should have went to a couple of Super Bowls here. He only got the one and lost to New England. But I think that everybody in this town, you, you want that. Yeah. No. You know, You're right. You, 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 you look at uh, the Eagle fans. When you walk down the street, everybody has a green uh, jersey on or an uh, Eagles hat on. It's unbelievable. And every place you drive down, Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Go Eagles. The whole deal. This city is in a frenzy right now. There's a frenzy in New York. They lit up the Empire State Building. <laughs> green and white. They're going crazy in New York that they allow them to do that. Unbelievable. Well, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, they, they, the East Coast is really rocking and rolling with Philadelphia Eagles. Roger. Uh, well, and which is great. I mean, it, you know, there's no doubt about it. It's a great city and everything. You know, just staying with Andy for uh, about the Andy thing with uh, Angelo. You know, they did the uh, the Twitter question yesterday, and seventy eight percent said that they thought he was a good coach. Not that they liked him, or they you know they didn't blame him like you're saying, Bill. But as soon as that number was seventy eight percent, he dropped that question. We're not having any more questions today. That's it. Well, <laughs> again, uh, nobody can question his coaching ability. I don't care whether you like him or dislike him, but I mean, he's got a track record that's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he'll be all over We we had no a big discussion about. the first half hour. A lot of disagreement on the show. Uh, before I give you the disagreement, I'll, I, I want to get your opinion because you've seen so many games, you've worked so many games. The last play of the Cincinnati game, your observation mm-hmm. on that play. Not the, the one field the guy goal, got the fifteen. He yeah. made the fifteen-yard personal foul. Man, yeah. that, you know, I, I hate to see a game end on a personal foul like that. Was it a personal foul? If you do it by the letter of the law, it was a personal foul. But that field was very slippery. He got hit by one of his teammates, and he and he rolled into Mahomes. Mahomes did a very good acting job, but I hate to see a game determined by a penalty like that. That's what really bothered me the most. I mean, you, you, I, when I saw the play, I said, here comes the flag. I mean, yes, it, you know, you can't hit a quarterback or any player once he steps over that white line into uh, into uh, territory on the in the bench area uh, you can't do it but I, I just hate hate seeing games determined by a penalty like that Roger well yeah I'm with you Bill it's it's really a sad uh, situation when it does end like that especially a good game uh, you know where uh, both teams are really uh, they're playing each other really hard and and, and are really good teams. I mean, that was obviously a much better game than the uh, first game. But, uh, you know, those things uh, happen. The, uh, what, when you're talking about uh, – I want to take off the speaker. Talking about the a Super Bowl, what do you think are the keys uh, for the Eagles? I mean, definitely the, the trenches. Run um, the but, football. Run the football. Run the and football. And put tremendous pressure – on Mahomes, keep him in the pocket. They'll have to depend on Fletcher Cox and and Jerron Hargrave collapsing the pocket and exploit the right tackle of the offensive right tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to have to give him help and also 
do not let Travis Kelsey have a free release off the line of scrimmage. You've got oh, to give my. him. Well, how about that? That was just, that was so obvious in the game on Sunday. I mean, he killed them. He did. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't get. You know, I was watching Bill Parcells with Eli and Peyton on that segment that they have. And Bill Parcells <laughs> brought up a point. He said, why do all these tight ends in the NFL have a free release? When I was coaching, this is a Hall of Fame coach, he said mm-hmm. we would never let a, uh, a tight end have a free release off the line of scrimmage. But these new defensive coordinators allow this. I, I don't understand it. Put a linebacker right on his nose and make him fight through that. How about the two brothers playing against one another? That's sort of an interesting story, too. And, and uh, what, there's two-year separation in age. Uh, first time, I guess, the two brothers have ever played against each other. Uh, they've yeah, had a Super Bowl, Super right. Bowl with Harbaugh coaching uh, uh, against his brother at different times. But I don't remember a, a brother combination playing for two separate teams. Do you? No, this is the first time ever, Don. They put that on the NFL channel. Jason and Travis Kelsey, this is the first time uh, two brothers have competed against each other uh, in a Super Bowl. Roger? Well, that is amazing, isn't it, that uh, it has never happened before. But uh, And, and two class acts, uh, you know, two brothers that are really terrific human beings and, uh, and really uh, good guys. And uh, Jason Kelsey has done so much for uh, charity, and, uh, and I'm sure Travis is just the same way. But it'll be uh, interesting to see the mother fellas with the uh, split shirt, Chiefs and, uh, and Eagles. Yeah, that's going to be very difficult. And, uh, you know, again, the one thing that bothers me about the Super Bowl, do you know what the cheapest ticket is at the Super Bowl right now? Oh, I'm afraid to Five grand or something like that? $5,800. Yeah. $5,800. I mean, this is absurd. This is absolutely absurd. I well, mean, what you ought to do then, if, at, if it's 5800 Billy, what you should do, uh, since you're going to be in the press box working the game, donate just half of that to one of your local charities because you don't go. need the money you're going to get anyway. So just yeah. take half of your salary for that game and donate yeah. it to a charity either in Philadelphia or your old city of San Diego or well, something like, like that. charity fund. Well, that's, that's what I would do fund. if I were yeah, there. That, I would right immediately the Don just uh, that charity fund to help Bill and Roger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Don Henderson's got a GoFundMe page now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me a, give me a little bit of a. If, if the Eagles win the toss, do they defer? Uh, what, give me a little give me a little insight of what you think. <laughs> How this game's going to go back and forth? I, I think they defer, but I hope they lose the coin toss and they get the ball right out of the chute and just right. jam it right down the throat of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what they got to do. I think they can exploit that uh, defense of the Chiefs. Their best player, Chris Jones, they move him around a lot, but they don't have the defense that the Eagles have. And I think the Eagles could run that ball right down the throat of the Kansas City Chiefs, and that will open up the passing game very, very quickly. Roger? I agree with you, Bill. Exactly. That's exactly what they want to do. And get that first score, 
And, you know, we were talking with uh, Roy earlier about uh, Purdy. You know, Purdy never uh, played in the game where the, the 49ers didn't have the lead first. And yeah. uh, and that's what, that was so important. And we talked about Shanahan maybe making the wrong uh, call about uh, uh, deferring on that, uh, that coin tour. But I'm with yeah. you. Get the ball and go down the field, run, 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 and jam it down the Chiefs. Absolutely. That's what you got to do. Uh, that's what I'm – I think that's the M.O. I mean, they ran 44 times against the Giants. They ran 44 times against the 49ers. Look, that, that's, been, that's been the formula. Run the football. Uh, you know, everybody says the three yards that cloud of dust went out the window with Woody Hayes. I like the three yards that cloud of dust. <laughs> Billy, let me ask you this question, because, again, the difference of opinion uh, in the first half hour tonight uh, if you're down 14 to seven, your quarterback's on the bench. You don't know if he's going to be able to play or not. You got your fourth string quarterback in there, and it's a minute and what? I don't know the exact number. I'll say a minute 30 seconds, a little less than that. To go in a half, do you let your fourth string quarterback put you in a position where you're going to walk in at halftime 21 to seven behind instead of 14? Lost you, Don. I lost you. Oh, oh. go ahead. No, I'm talking about the play. I'm talking about the play. The the minute and 30 seconds to go on the half. Instead of going in and regrouping at halftime and you're down 14 to 7, he has his fourth string quarterback flip the ball away and he winds up 21 to 7 behind with a team he has no chance to beat without a quarterback. How do you do that? Now, you know, I'm not a big Kyle Shanahan fan, and it really bothers me. You know, these individual awards, the MVP and all that stuff. But when you talk about coaches, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni, yeah, they'll say, well, you know, Shanahan did it with his third-string quarterback, Brock Purdy. That's why they got in the playoffs. Brian Dable, the Eagles beat them three times. I'll talk about the Giants. And, you know, the only guy that really has a legitimate shot next to Nick Sirianni for coach of the year is Doug Peterson. He took right. his team that was in the, the hopper and turned right. it into a playoff team. Ryan Dable did a nice job. So I would say Dable, Peterson, and Sirianni. Forget about Shanahan, all right? You know, you look, harken back uh, to when he was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta and the Patriots were down 28-3. to What happened in that game? The Patriots won in overtime. Because it was bad, bad offensive coaching by Kyle Shanahan. And I'm not a big Kyle Shanahan fan. I really do not think he's the best. He's a great coach. He's an average coach at best. And I, I think that, you know, uh, this guy is show- – uh, what about the play when Devontae Smith juggled the ball and it looked like it was an incompletion? He never challenged it. He yeah. just ran up the line of scrimmage and ran the ball. Come on, give me a break, Kyle Shanahan. This guy is an overrated coach, in my opinion. Another technical point that we talked about, Billy, and that was how come New York, which overrules everything, how come New York didn't overrule the fact that that was not a a reception on the first pass on the first drive of the Eagles that set him up for the touchdown? How does New York not overrule that play? Don, Don, they can't. They have to challenge it. It's only the last two minutes and a half. Uh, that New York can overrule it. 
And that's oh, what we, I in understand. the playoffs too, Bill. I didn't know that. I thought that in the yeah. playoffs they can, they no, can. No. No. Okay. Now maybe maybe you're right, Roger, but I don't think they can. All right. I, don't I always think thought, they can. Billy, and I may be incorrect on this. I always thought that there was communication between New York, because a lot of times they'll come up to the line of scrimmage and has, and and. Uh, uh, They'll say, wait a minute, they must have got some message from New York or something, because right. now they're asking to challenge this play. And it's not from the well, bench or not from the team itself. So I thought they could. I thought New York could overrule and say, hey, well, wait a minute, let's relook at this play. Well, they, they dropped the ball if they could have overruled it. But, I, uh, I'm not saying they could. I'm not, I don't know, Billy. I'm just saying I'm asking right. you, maybe. I don't know. But right. I thought they should yeah. have. Yeah. Well, they didn't challenge it. That was the first step. Absolutely not. No. And that was stupid. That was I yeah. you know, I don't care if New York's gonna overrule or not, I'm throwing the challenge side right there. Let if me, I have let, any me one, let me ask you one last uh, uh question from me. I'll give go to Roger in a second. Can Doc Rivers blow another twenty point lead? <laughs> How many yep. times does this guy blow a twenty point lead with the seven? <laughs> I mean, I'm almost throwing my shoes through the television set watching this. What? What did they know? You know, Orlando is—they're not the Boston Celtics. They're not right. the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're also Rams in the Eastern Division, and they got beat by Orlando on Monday, and now on their home floor, and now they're—they're they're really in a dogfight with Orlando right now. I don't understand it. And this has been the M.O. of Doc Rivers for a number of years. The big leads they build up, and they squander them in the fourth quarter. I don't know, understand that. 20 yeah, points, Billy. 20 points. Yeah. And they almost did it two games earlier. They were ahead 20 on the Celtics, and it almost blew that one. Or was it Knicks? Yeah. Either the Knicks or the Celtics. I can't remember which one. No, it was the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they, they give up big leads very consistently. And that's really a, a cause for concern. <laughs> What's your view on them? The Sixers? they got to yeah. get to the Eastern Conference Finals for this to be a, a successful year. Oh, if yeah. not, Doc Rivers is gone. Mm. Because, you know, uh, and, and Maury has not done the greatest job. I mean, brought James Harden in. He's got, ha- got Halliburton and the Buddy Heel from Sacramento. And he decided to go with a guy he knew in Houston. And look, he's 35 years old. I I, I did not think that was a great trade for the Sixers. Roger? Well, I agree with you, Bill. And the other thing is you and I are on the same page about Kyle Shanahan. And uh, Don's like in the middle, but Roy was definitely against us. So, uh, but he does agree with what you and I think about the uh, that Falcons uh, Super Bowl game. They never should have lost that game, you know. Twenty-eight to three. Pedal to the pedal. Yeah. You run the, the pedal to the metal, I should say. Yep. Even hey, you come down to the last play. To, you don't know, have to go back to the to the twenty-seven. Go back to the last minute. I mean, they had the right. game won. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they let it get away. Yeah, I I don't know whether Dan Quinn's going to get another head coaching job, but uh, I think he not should. Not this year. No, no, not this year. I agree with you. And uh, I only Arizona's you, I, open. Go ahead. 
Only Arizona and Indianapolis. Uh, uh, looks like Indianapolis may bring Jeff Saturday back after that great performance where he blew a 33-point lead. <laughs> well, I'm One more before we let you go, Billy. Uh, how about Denver? What do you think about the uh, what they gave up to sign him, and uh, is he going to be able to transform Denver back into a winning franchise? Well, if he could get into Russell Wilson's head, that's the key thing. Remember, they gave up a, a boatload to get Russell Wilson from Seattle. Uh, they gave up a first-round pick, which was a late first-round pick and a, and a second-round pick. Uh, Sean Payton got out of Dodge quickly in New Orleans because he knew it was Cap Hill. They're the, they're the worst team as far as the cap going into the next season. So he saw the writing on the wall. He had no quarterback. Now he has Russell Wilson. Let's see what he's going to do. Now he's in a tough division. You got the Chiefs. You got you got you you got the Chargers. All right, that's not easy at all. I mean, they they right. got a very 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 difficult. The Raiders should be better, even though they they're right now in a state of flux without a quarterback. But that's a tough division. So Peyton has his work cut out for him. Roger, last Bill, question. We'll let Billy take off for the night. Okay, I just wanted to, uh, you know, talking about, uh, I mentioned it earlier, I think that if the Raiders don't uh, turn it around somewhat, I wonder whether McDaniel's tenure is uh, is long-term there. What do you think about that? Well, Mark Davis has a quick trigger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, McDaniel better be on the right road next year. I'm not saying he's got to be in the Super Bowl, but he's got to be knocking on the door for the playoffs. Remember, Derek Carr will not be back next year. Right. So they got to find right. a quarterback. Yeah. And quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So I, I think if McDaniels, if, if he has another bad year, Mark Davis has got to think long and hard about where they're going in the future. I agree. Billy, I want to 100%. thank you very much as always. Billy Warndell, our guest. You can hear Billy many uh, all across the country. Billy, let, uh, I always like to go back to your opening and uh, give everybody a chance if they had a pen and pencil, maybe you want to write it down, and uh, they can hear you anywhere in the United States or the world. So uh, let's give a chance. Give us your opening before we get you, get you out the door. WCHE 1520, 95.3 on the FM dial. That's in the local area. You always can go on the Internet. WCHE1520.com, and that's worldwide. So I really appreciate that plug, man. Well, you do well, a great what, job. Uh, first of all, have a, have a very safe trip out to Arizona. Have a great time Thank out you, there Doc. because the weather will be beautiful. Let's just hope it's a great, great game. And, Billy, as always, thank you very much. Roger, you got a final comment? Yeah, I just appreciate it. And uh, same as Don. And uh, I know, Bill, it's going to be fun listening to uh, you and uh, Merrill and Mike, uh, you know, on the Eagles broadcast. And at least we get to, uh, even though everything else is networked, at least we'll get that. So that, that'll be wow. really fun to listen to. Terrific. And the other thing is, don't give your whole salary. Just give half. You know, no, you don't want to give not. the whole, have you, know, you don't have to give five or $6,000. Just half of your salary to charity. You can either be as Arizona, Philadelphia, wherever you might want to do it. No, you know, just give them eight or 9000 I'm at Sarasota, Florida, Don. I'm at Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> Thank you. Take care, partner. We'll talk with you when you come back. I love it, Bill. You got it. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.
<laughs> He's going to get you, Don. <laughs> you made your match. <laughs> we we, we got to get Philly on the road to success out there in Arizona. He'll enjoy every bit of it out there. I tell you, I, let's hope it's another. Let's hope it's a day like it is here in Florida today. Oh my God, eighty-two degrees, beautiful, uh, unbelievably nice. And uh, so uh, let's just hope it's a little bit like that. We, we well, got that. Uh, we got some said, good guests. We got some good guests coming up yet. So stay with us. But our thanks to Billy for joining us. And when he gets back from Arizona, and well, it'll be a little lighter financially because he'll. Half the money out of his pocket will be gone, but uh, but he'll he'll still he's that kind of guy. He'll reach in the other pocket and get another load. They won't mind giving it up. Hey, listen, go ahead, Roger. I remember, I remember when we were in Tampa for the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, and he was there. You know, he was in San Diego at the time or L.A. You know, and uh, the, the 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 fellow that was his partner, I hear on. Uh, on, I don't know if it's on Fox or Steve. I forget his last name. Steve was his first name. But uh, I can remember, uh, you know, Billy being there, and uh, we were all together and and uh, having a good time. And I remember Lee Ilya was looking for Howard Eskin. You remember that? <laughs> he was looking for two things. He was looking for a coaching job and Howard Eskin. That's right. All at the same time. <laughs> he wanted to get back on the coaching lines again and uh, – and what a super guy for those folks listening right now not familiar with Lee Ilya. Uh, he was with the Philadelphia Phillies for such a long period of time, went to Chicago with Dallas Green, was named manager for about five hours when Dallas got fired and uh, Lee Ilya got moved out at the same time. And uh, Lee's a great baseball guy, a guy you love to talk to about baseball. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot to talk about on the baseball front over the next couple of weeks coming up as we wait for the Super Bowl, Roger. Oh, there certainly is. And, uh, I mean, some of the uh, moves, the, uh, Dan Baker and I were talking about it last night. And, uh, he, the, uh, you know, how can you uh, fault uh, uh, Dave Dombrowski? And, oh, yeah, one of the uh, things you probably saw, Don, is that Tom McCarthy's son, Pat, uh, who's been yes. doing a high Valley, he's going to be doing the uh, Mets. And it was interesting. I saw this picture. I don't know if you saw it or not of, uh, you know, Pat doing uh, the uh, Lehigh Valley games, and it was on uh, ESPN something. And uh, in the background to the right is Dave Dombrowski sitting in the stands at Lehigh Valley uh, watching the Iron Pigs play. So uh, well, He also just, sat in for Tom on a couple when he was doing NFL football. Uh, he did. Football. Uh, he sat yeah. in and did a couple of Philly games, and uh, – now he's going to he's going to uh, uh, take sort of a different type of role with the Mets. He's going to be doing interviews. He's going to do because they just hired the uh, young man that was doing the uh, their minor league uh, was I don't I can't remember the name of the team on Staten Norfolk? Island, but oh Staten Island, yeah Staten Island, yeah Norfolk. Yeah, they they hired him to come in and be the uh, second uh, second uh, behind Howie on the radio. And so there'll be the three of them working together, and he'll be doing primarily pre- and post-game shows and interviews. And then when uh, Howie takes a break, because uh, over the last couple of years, Howie is uh, doing exactly the same thing that uh, the Yankee broadcast team is doing. They're taking a little time off every now and then. And uh, so he'll be sitting in on those games. So it uh, should be a great, uh, 
a great opportunity for the young man. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the baseball play-by-play guys in the major leagues now uh, are on so much more than they were in the old days, you know, because of post-game shows and then uh, Friday night uh, a round table like the Phillies have, you know. And, right. Uh, so, you know, they need some time off. I mean, you know, it's, it's a real uh, tough six, uh, seven, eight months when you think about it, you know, especially right. when you get into – if you get into deep into the postseason like the Phillies did, you know, you got to be down in Florida in February, and you didn't finish until the beginning of November. Yep. And Harry Carey's grandson going to bring up the heritage in St. Louis. He started there in 1947, I believe, his dad, Harry Carey, and uh, before he uh, moved out of there and then went for a period, short period of time out to Oakland and broadcast the Oakland games and finally resurfaced in Chicago for a long period of time, but he was really the heart and soul of KMOX uh, in the early, in the late 1940s and through the 50s uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And now his grandson is going to move from Atlanta. You well know you're right there in Atlanta. You've seen him many times on many games. Yeah. And he's going to take over for the Cardinals. Yep. Uh, Chip Carey uh, moving to St. Louis. And a lot of uh, Braves fans, I can tell you, were uh, really uh, shocked to hear that. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we talked about, you had mentioned or at the top of the show about the tragedy in, in Georgia. And, of course, it was the uh, uh, player and the young woman uh, with uh, the uh, uh, the uh, administration in the football department uh, at Georgia. And it is. It's a very sad uh, situation. And uh, uh, the players, unfortunately, uh, the two of them, uh, were tested and uh, not good as far as alcohol goes. And you hate to see that. I mean, they weren't, neither one was driving, obviously. Yeah, and you hate to see the young quarterback. The same thing happened to him uh, over the weekend, which is uh, really something you didn't expect, to be honest with you. And, uh, oh, uh, absolutely. You just so that was another, uh, like that. Another, another sore thumb for, for Georgia and the young man because he had such great uh, press all through his college experience and uh, through the two super, uh, championship games and so forth. Unfortunate that happened. But we're going to switch gears right now. Mike Simzak is ready down there. We were uh, Roger and I, uh, Mike, were talking about it last week. We were hoping to have you on uh, right away because uh, just as we were getting ready to go on the air, uh, the story came out about Be- uh, Bezos, uh, uh, Bezos, I should say, uh, thinking about selling the Washington Post and uh, buying the, wa- the Washington baseball team. And I haven't seen much about it since it broke uh, early last week. Uh, anything new on that first? Um, the only thing new, it, Jeff Bezos did not originally uh, file a bid to buy the Washington Nationals. There was There is a lot of speculation, some of which has been confirmed through back channels that the, the uh, Snyder's won't sell to him because of the ownership of the Washington uh, Post, which has been unfavorable in covering the Snyder's. Nobody knows exactly where that report that he would sell the Washington um, Post to buy the commanders comes from uh, or how it started. There's no indication that he's going to sell the Washington Post there's no indication that even if he did sell the Washington Post, that the Snyders would still try be willing to sell to him. And there's really no, really no movement 
as far as who's been named a preferred bidder or anything like that. Just the right. idea that the league would like to vote on the sale by the league meeting at the end of March. Uh, we still don't know if Jeff Bezos has actually submitted a bid for the team. Uh, that's not public. The only real bidder that we know of is uh, Joshua Harris's group. And they seem to be the favorites because they're the biggest name that we know of right now. Roger? Well, the that so that's as far as it goes right now, Mike, uh, is what you just described. So some of these rumors are strictly rumors. Yeah, there's nothing that's come out that's been confirmed or even come out from somebody who's a really reputable source that would say – Anything. The the most public thing that we know that comes from something that you feel comfortable reporting is that Jeff Bezos has not submitted a bid as of yet. Mean that he won't. It doesn't mean that he can't come in at the last minute. Uh, it doesn't. It could mean that he just doesn't really want to get into a bidding war with anybody, because we all know that he has the cash to pay more than just about anybody else does straight up. And he could be the one who could lev- who could lodge the largest strictly cash bid without needing to um, seek financing. Um, again, the hope is that this gets done in March because you know the value of the team will decrease the longer this goes on, especially if it goes on through the NFL dra- uh, the draft. Because one of the things that any new prospective owner is going to want to be able to have to do is have some say in who they pick in the first round in the in the draft. Sure. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Hockey, uh, hockey, and and, uh, and uh, basketball, of course, in your area, and, and football, you cover it all. But you also mm-hmm. uh, are a soccer aficionado, and and what's happening on the soccer front before we move to something else. Okay, well, as far as the U.S. men's national team goes, um, the I guess you could call it the culling at the top of the team was not over. Um, Ernie, Ernie, uh, Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride, who were functioning kind of as the general manager and president of soccer operations, if you will, both stepped down last week, which means that with Greg Beerhalter out of contract and still the investigation into the um, spousal abuse allegations from, you know, 30 years ago uh, being investigated uh, on his part, uh, he's not been retained as of right now. He still could get the job, but he doesn't have it. So there's no head coach. And now there's no general manager. There's no, um, you know, head of soccer operations. So it's really a question of, from U.S. soccer, who's making the decisions right now because there's nobody there. Um, The women were down in New Zealand uh, a couple of weeks ago for their first set of warm-up friendlies for this summer's Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. They'll be down in Florida in the uh, next couple of weeks for the She Believes Cup. I believe a couple of those games are actually in Tampa. And, but they also well, they also lost uh, the the young lady that had the operation in the summertime, and now she's not going to be able to participate. She has to have a second knee operation, correct? Yes. And uh, MLS preseason 
in full swing. Um, you have teams kind of like baseball spring training. You have a bunch of teams down in Florida, a few out in uh, Arizona and the desert. Uh, some of the warmer weather teams, Roger, like Atlanta United, are just hanging out where they are. Um, mm-hmm. The seasonal start at the end of February. So, uh, for example, the Philadelphia Union will be down there from – they'll play their first uh, preseason game in uh, Florida this weekend, and they'll be down there until about the 18th of February before they come. Where, where are they going to play that first play. game? Why, where, where is it going to be? Uh, it's a closed-door scrimmage at the uh, at a, a soccer plex, but they'll be playing at Al Lang and Joe DiMaggio for most of their um, their public okay. games. Well, Al Lang's not that far away from us. That's yeah, you know, right, 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 right over the bridge. That's no yeah. problem. But okay, I, I'm not I didn't know whether it was here, whether it was going to be over in Orlando. Yeah, all of their games are in your area. Uh, you know, February 10th, they'll be at Joe DiMaggio. Uh, February 14th, they have a closed-door scrimmage at Al Lang. And then a couple of other preseason scrimmages and things at um, two sports complexes that I am not aware of. Roger. But, uh, they're doing a lot yeah, more of these. I think they stay uh, so up around Clearwater, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're right the, by the Phillies. Yeah, they, they, they've been doing that uh, pretty uh, consistently since uh, the franchise started. Uh, and so they like the facilities. They like the games that they get. They like the warm weather training, and that's why they do it year after year. And based on recent results, it seems to be working for them. So why mess with a good thing? Yeah, the president of the uh, – uh, of the union was at the sports writers. They honored uh, uh, the team because of, you know, how far they got to that championship game. And they talked about it. And it appears that the uh, Phillies and and the union have a really great uh, relationship between them as far Mm -hmm. as organizations go. Yeah. There's always been um, a lot of support. Uh, I just remember back in the World Series year when the Union were just starting, or shortly after, uh, the forward for the Union was Carlos Ruiz, and the catcher for the Phillies was Carlos Ruiz, and there was always mm-hmm. this, um, they used to do promos with both of them. Do you look for uh, Philly to be, you look for Philly to be the, you know the, the start of the pack this year, or do you think the, uh, you really can't tell you see what the rosters are going to be? I can't tell until I see what the rosters are going to be. For example, Roger, Atlanta United has had an absolute ton of turnover, and I don't um, – They let, including letting their all-world forward, Joseph Martinez, go, and they haven't really brought anybody in yet to fill some of those voids. There's a rumor that they are going to sign in the next couple of days, weeks, a uh, forward from – the Scottish League from Celtic, uh, Giorgio Giacomacus, who I think would be a great addition for him. But these types of deals haven't been done. And the ones that have been, uh, as much as I try and scout these guys, I'm not 100% sure who they are. So it's really hard to see until the rosters are finalized. And even after you get a couple of games, how these teams are going to gel. We've talked for years about, you know, the margins in MLS being so when it comes to roster building, if you have the right coach 
the right formation, the right tactics, and the right players in each one of those roles, you can have a season like the Union did. If you miss just a little bit, uh, you can end up where D.C. United are at the bottom of the pack and searching for answers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the one thing. They don't really solidify their rosters until uh, they're really into the almost the exhibition season, right? Well, the end of the quote-unquote transfer period, the official one uh, for the first window is May, and then they have – so they can register new players up pretty much until the end of April. Um, and then they'll have another shot over the summer to sign and register new players. So you actually have a certain amount of roster flux going on even after the first couple of uh, games of the season. It's kind of what makes soccer unique. You have the two periods where you can uh, um, acquire new players, and that can really be uh, a difference maker for a lot of teams. Uh, You know, L.A. Galaxy last year got Gareth Bale during the summer, and he ended up scoring the goal that won them, uh, that helped them tie the game, sent it to penalties, and eventually won them MLS Cup last year. Roger? In OT. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're right about the uh, uh, Atlanta, uh, because I'll tell you, they made uh, changes in management, which uh, surprised me, but I guess uh, Arthur Blank and and the uh, top, uh, the folks at the top, and it's really a gentleman, he's a West Point graduate, uh, who was president of Mercedes-Benz USA. Uh, he he is the uh, like the CEO of the uh, the AMB uh, Sports, you know, which also has uh, the PGA uh, stores. And uh, I, I guess they just decided, hey, listen, we've got to make a move, just like you make a move with an NFL team and get a new coach and you get a new general manager, you know. And after a couple of years of uh, maybe not as doing as well as anticipated, that's what happened. Well, um, I believe, you know, Carlos Bocanegra has been there since the beginning. And he – he was it, there was a bit of a power struggle there uh you know it it's it kind of um it kind of reminds me of the he's the technical director so he would be the president of soccer operations uh Darren mm-hmm. Hughes was the i guess CEO whatever you want to call him this situation between Eels and Bocanegra reminded me a lot of that uh Harry Roseman Chip Kelly sort of situation mm-hmm. uh, right where Chip basically was able to sideline uh, Harry Roseman and take over control. You know, Carlos was able to push Darren Eels out. The difference in this one was Darren didn't hang around. He actually got a better job. He was English to begin with. He went back over uh, to work for Newcastle United over there, who recently got bought out by the uh, Saudi Arabian uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund. So he just has a ton of money to play with. I'm saying that to say it might be a slightly better job. Um, but, you know, Carlos won that power struggle, so he's overseeing the operation. But, again, like you mentioned, uh, changes because, you know, these last, I would say, three or four seasons have been really kind of disappointing. After mm-hmm. their first two seasons where they came in, they were at the top of the league in the playoffs, 
set the record for first-year success, second-year win the MLS Cup, and then it's, uh, I think, now three straight years uh, without making the playoffs. And that's not the uh, trajectory that I know they want to be on. No question. Mike, let's switch again and uh, go to the uh, Metropolitan Division for just a second. Because Carolina, the Devils, the Rangers, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, really quite a race right now. And uh, how Washington is, is, what, what 20, I don't have the number in front of me, I think it's 26 and 19 or 26 and 20, something like that. Uh, but yeah. uh, they're in the number four hole right now. What, what, what's the situation with Washington? Well, they had an absolute great December. They won 11-2-2 two and two in December, but then I think it was 6-9-1 and one in uh, January. Uh, so uh, a little bit of regression there. Um, they've lost John Carlson. I don't think that he's going to play at all this year with a head injury, with a severe head injury. Uh, they listed it as an upper body injury, but uh, I thought it was a puck to the head. Um, so he was a big loss. Um, Nicholas Backstrom has just come back. Um, Tom Wilson has just re-entered the lineup. Uh, there was a little bit of them trying to adjust lines, personnel, getting used to playing with Backstrom and Wilson again. You know, nobody's going to say that those two aren't going to be key contributors moving forward, but the playing with them, especially Backstrom, who is not nearly as fast as he was back in the day, and I don't think he was ever known as the fastest player possible, um, getting used to playing around him has been a change. Uh, they still have Alexander Ovechkin. We need to appreciate just how amazing uh, the grade eight is for him to be able to do what he does so consistently at the age that he's doing it when all of his peers on the cast. Has has he been as consistent this year as he has been in the past? I mean, he's still averaging, he'll still get 30 plus goals. It looks like. So yeah, he's having a season that you would expect. Maybe not the type of season that he had when he was in his prime, but you know, still having, uh, he's still putting the puck in the back of the net. Um, he's still on pace to potentially catch Wayne Gretzky. He's still doing amazing things uh, into now his mid-late 30s. And you're watching all of his peers around him on the Caps break down physically night after night. Uh, I think when you talked about them being in fourth place, yeah, they're in fourth place with 60 points, but they have played more games than any other team in the Eastern Conference right now. And when you look at the, team, the three teams around them, they've played four more games than those teams have, so there's a potential for anybody to catch up with them. You know, it's the, always the debate, would you rather have the points on the board or the games in hand to get them? And they right. don't have a, a massive lead in those standings. So it's still possible they could get one of the automatic qualifying berths out of the Metro. It's also still possible they could miss the playoffs entirely. Mike, you know, uh, talking about, yeah, talking about the Caps and uh, the uh, Wizards, mm-hmm. as far as their TV goes, does that have any effect on the uh, the Capitals Orioles issues with Masson? 
No, um, Taps and Wizards are owned by um, Ted Leonsis and, and Monumental Sports. Their stuff goes out through them and, and through a partnership with NBC Washington. Masson is strictly a partnership between the uh, Orioles and the Nationals, right? And That's it. That's, that, that's the whole combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, the litigation over the $200-plus million that they may owe, it's still going on. Um, you know, it's still basically a 70-30 split in terms – in favor of the Baltimore Orioles in terms of how much revenue. And on top of that, you know, the Orioles have regularly been accused of understating or even delaying income so that they can minimize the amount of money that they have to pay to the Nationals. That's been probably the biggest albatross that has weighed down any potential sale of the Washington Nationals. Uh, Ted Leonsis has basically said that he wants to buy the team, but there's no revenue coming in. Uh, They don't own their own TV rights. In fact, they don't own the majority of them. Uh, it's How long has this contract run, Mike? I, I, it's run for the entire life, and I still think it has another like ten, fifteen years left. It, it was oh my! It was ridiculous when they did it, uh, and it was done simply to appease Peter Angelos. And we're seeing just how big uh, a weight it is on the Washington Nationals and their ability to do just about anything, they have no TV revenue. They have no stadium sponsorship revenue. The biggest deal that they signed was with some cryptocurrency firm for $40 million last year to uh, sponsor, like, the club-level seats and, the, you know, the, the fancy seats right behind home plate and the bar right. and the restaurant. Um, so Tara what's the name of the firm that paid them for Terra paid $40 million to the Nats for, to, to start this Terra club. Well, their cryptocurrency is now trading at nine cents on the dollar and their CEO is under indictment and at large and the nationals can't get rid of the branding because they'd have to pay back $38 million that they don't have. Wow. That is really a bad deal. Woo. Well, you know, did NBC Sports uh, DC, did they get sold yet? Because, you know, they're only going to keep, I think, Philadelphia, right? Comcast. Yeah. um, And uh, Monumental Sports bought NBC Sports Washington. So Ted Leone owns his own broadcasting. Okay. Okay. So that's who bought it. And because Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, of course, the Phillies own 25% of it. So, uh, yeah. you know, Com- and Comcast, I mean, with their headquarters there, they're not going to get rid of that, okay? No yeah. way. That's yeah. a big moneymaker. Monumental yeah, sports. Absolutely. Monument- if they don't own the whole entire thing outright, they own a significant uh, portion, like the voting majority of it. So, yeah, the Caps and the Wizards essentially control their own broadcasting. They own the stadium. He owns the uh, sports books in it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a um, – it's a revenue uh, generator for 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 the uh, whiz and the nets or the whiz and the caps. No, well, let, the, let me bring Frank in here for a minute because uh, we won't have time in the next segment to, to talk about. 
But I saw the squib in the paper, Frank, that they're now assuring uh, Tampa Bay at, uh, you know, or St. Petersburg they're going to build a stadium, they're going to build a comp- housing complex. They're going to. Where's all this money all of a sudden coming from? We talked about it for. We talked about it with Mike in Washington. Where's the new stadium going to come there? Where's the baseball? What are they going to do? Now I see in the paper one day earlier this week. Oh yeah, we got to build the new stadium. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be all set. It, it, where's all this money coming? Who's going to build this, Frank? No, maybe we lost Frank. <laughs> no. Well, you know, one of the things, getting back to the Redskins, the uh, there was speculation in Philadelphia that one of the bidders is the guy that owns the Sixers and he owns the New yeah. Jersey Devils. That's right. right? That's, That's exactly right. right. That's Josh Harris. He, Josh he, Harris, he's, uh, right. Yep. Yeah, he, he is one of the bidders. In fact, he's one of the favorites. He owns the Devils. He owns the uh, Sixers. He owns Crystal Palace in the English Premier League. He's That's what he does. He buys sports teams. Yeah, well, he wants to build the new uh, Sixers Arena down in uh, Chinatown, and uh, the uh, people, the natives in China, China, Chinatown, are really putting up a big fight about that because that goes back, as we all remember, when they thought about building the new Phillies ballpark in Chinatown off of Vine right. Street years ago. And well, Roger, they, 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 they originally said they were going to build this new stadium right downtown, not in Chinatown, and I haven't heard any more about that. Well, I was under the impression that they had secured the money. It, it, wasn't being, it was going to a butt Chinatown, but it was going to be where the uh, – Gallery on Mark, uh, Market the Gallery. Street. Well, that's exactly right. But then, if you're going to uh, going to have parking, and if you're going to expand it and have you know the restaurants and everything else, you're going into Chinatown. I mean, you know, because it's just east of the uh, uh, convention center. You know, when you, when you're uh, down there in the gallery, uh, you know, it's like in the in the old uh, 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 Strawberry and Clothier. A store just west. I mean, that's at Eighth and Market, and then it was right. just like Ninth and and Tenth on up. You know, so it takes a big parcel. And all I want to know is, let's bring back the Boyd store at <laughs> Open <and> Market. <laughs> the good old days, right? Mike's too yeah. young, Don, and but Frank, you and I. Don, you and I remember the Boyd store where Wilk Chamberlain used to go to get his uh, clothes. <laughs> the old days, my boy, the old days. The old days. Mike, thank you very much once again. It's always a, a great pleasure. We'll see if we can find out what's happening with Washington. We'll find out what's happening with uh, Tampa Bay. We've got a lot of, lot of stadiums that are trying to be built, a lot of teams that are trying to be sold, and we'll see what's going to happen. As you indicated, it's got to be uh, – Cleared up by sometime in early March, so we'll, we won't, we're not too far away. So thank you very much, Mike. All right, I'll talk to you gentlemen next week. Mike, Have a good Mike, one. you're covering a lot of bases right now. I'll tell you, with everything in the D.C. Baltimore complex. But have a great <laughs> Keeps week. Keeps me on my toes. Keeps me I on know, my toes. You're right in. You're right you're in the, the heart best, of the Mike. action, Mike. You, that, you're, yeah. That's where everything's taking place, right where you are. <laughs> All, All right, right let's go to Doug Hamilton because. Have a we great got a week, couple Mike. of things Take to talk care. about, Doug. Of course, our PGA professional, his club is just outside of Baltimore, and he joins us each and every week. We talk golf, 
haven't been talking too much golf recently, but a couple of really nice stories. Uh, one with uh, what happened at the Farmers, uh, throwing golf tees at each other, and uh, <laughs> a ball got stuck in the trees, and uh, trying to figure that rule out. And uh, then, of course, going to the clam bait this week, uh, and that has really lost somewhat, as they pointed out in the papers today, has lost so much of its luster because uh, it doesn't get the big significant number of top pros anymore, and they don't want to go on the dam. They're, they're uh, relegated to play in so many that uh, that's not necessarily one that they choose to play in uh, because of the weather, and even though it's one of the great golf courses in the world. Uh, Doug Hamilton, uh, a lot of golf news in the last 10 days. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's uh, quiet on the home front here. We've, uh, we had just a little dusting of snow here today, and, um, you know, it was uh, quite on the chilly side. And um, so not, not, a lot of, not a whole lot going on here. Um, just finished up uh, last week. I did not go, although the, the PGA, PGA show was um, a big deal, and, you know, I got a whole bunch of emails about, you know, just different new products and uh, different things. Uh, lots of lots of new uh, stuff coming out from from vendors. Um, you know, there was a lot going on. You know, as you mentioned, from the golf world, um, Roy McIlroy defeating. Um, Patrick well, surprising Reed. Pebble Beach, uh, and I can understand that. You know, that was the highlight of the tour for so many years because of the great mm-hmm. notoriety of the you know, uh, exceptional talent that played in in the amateur division, Crosby and Hope and all those. They were the ones that really carried the load out in California when the tour wasn't quite as popular as it is now. Mm-hmm. But it's ch- completely changed now. The celebrity action is not uh, nearly as uh, enthusiastically received as it was. And the tournament's long and it's cold and it's wet. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot of complaints mm-hmm. about it. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, look, I, I'm, I, <laughs> there's no chance that I'm going to throw my hat into the ring to uh, to be a tour professional. I mean, what, what those guys do with the golf ball and, uh, you know, uh, their regiments and practice and talent levels and week in and week out, I mean, um, is uh, above and beyond. But at the end of the day, I mean, a lot, a lot of those guys on tour, they don't want to play with, a, you know, a CEO of Joe Schmo Incorporated. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I would think that that has to lose its luster over the course of time. Uh, you know, pl- playing with with guys that are, I mean, look at you know, you know, <laughs> tour players that are zeros or pluses or you know whatever they are. Um, right. I don't even know if they even keep a handicap at that level, but they, they don't. I mean, I, I would think that has to lose its luster. I mean, they they do a lot of that charity and pro am and, and different things for for good causes and, and, um, you know, I can appreciate, uh, the level of what you would call it reverence, if you will, to, uh, you know, playing in those events. But I mean, it's, it it can't, I mean, they're, they're playing their own golf ball. I get it. But I mean, you know, what I play, I want to play. I I mean, I don't want to tell this guy that, you know, he's 115 yards and he needs to hit a seven iron, you know what I mean? Like I, I I don't want to, you know, deal with that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, I, I can imagine. I mean, although good money to uh, to play in that thing, um, you know. In fact, there were several years ago that Pat Perez um, won it, and his partner was Michael Lund, which I actually gave golf lessons to. Um, you know, so it was pretty cool to see that. But 
you know, there's there's a lot of people that that get excited about that. I mean, you know, you the beginning of the golf season, you know, when they talk about the Hawaii swing and then the, the West Coast swing, I mean, it it's been pretty quiet. I mean, you haven't really seen or heard a lot about it. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we we know that that uh, football is is the dominating sport right now, and and um, you know we've got the Super Bowl coming up, and and I've been watching a, a whole bunch of hockey, and you know for the first time in what six years, I'm truly excited about opening up, you know, spring training and, and watching the Orioles. So there's, there's a lot going on right now. Roger. Hey Doug, I have a couple of questions. Uh, number one, uh, I've heard a lot about uh, the uh, PGA uh, uh, annual uh, convention uh, and mm-hmm. the you know which is obviously a lot of retailing, trade show, and everything. Yeah. But sure. the uh, why would you not go? Is it that it's cost prohibitive? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's my first question. I'd like to, you know, because I heard a lot about it. The the, sure. the other question is, it's also a a, a dollar and cents deal. The mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and that big tournament uh, in Phoenix uh, are at the same time, and mm-hmm. you cannot, from what I've been told, you cannot get a hotel room. I don't know what is it, fifty, sixty, eighty miles away. And, oh, yeah, and sure. yeah, and and my question is, the they they have that tournament. I've been out there uh, when that tournament was on, and I mean it's a big deal. And uh, Al Morgani is a big golfer, and he was talking about how big of a deal that uh, tournament is. Talk about yeah. uh, that and and the effect uh, when you have a Super Bowl and a major tournament at the same time. And, uh, I mean, it's obviously yeah. positive on the economy. But uh, well, talk listen, about that. The, you know, you're, you're, you've been around the block, uh, Roger, with regard to, you know, retail and sales and those sorts of things. Um, you know, trade shows are always um, mercurial in a sense that, um, you know, look, there, there's a lot of continuing education. Look, there's a there's a three-year period in the PGA of America that says you have to get 54 continuing education points. Um, six of them have to be um, in the classification of meetings, and then there's other ones that are broken down into education and, and different things. Um, a lot of people go to the PGA show so that they can try to get, you know, some quick points by going to different seminars and you know, you swipe your card when you get there and you get a couple points for it. Um, some people go there to do their pre-book buying. Um, some people go there because their clubs send them there for free um, in terms of, you know, the airfare, the uh, rental cars, the hotel, the food. They they pay the whole, you know, shamil. Um, sure. You know, guys go there to obviously network and do different things. I mean, Bob Vokey's there. Scotty Cameron's there. You'll have tour pros there. They have demo day. I mean, it's a, it's a gigantic gigantic conglomeration of everything that you could imagine would incorporate, you know, to, to, to golf. Um, I've been, you know, three or four times in my life. Um, you know, in most cases, unfortunately, uh, the clubs that I've worked at haven't um, given me the opportunity to go there in terms of paying the freight. Um, when you talk about what it costs, um, it's probably in the neighborhood of about $2,000 that mm-hmm. not cheap, you know, I've, 
Well, I mean, I, you know, that's not, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. And unfortunately, there's been many cases where I just don't have the, the, the time, sure. the money, oh, the different that. resources and, to go there. Uh, with yeah. regard to your other question, I believe we're talking about the waste management. Um, you know, I, <laughs> my, my wife and I have talked about um, how, how cool that would be to go to the waste management and to, to kind of post up on that par three where it's it's a gigantic just frat party of, of people that are playing golf. Um, that would be exciting. I mean, look, I've always wanted to go to, to Fenway. I've been there, done that. Last year she took me to Wrigley, been there, done that. Um, I'd like to go to um, Green Bay and, and watch the Packers play. I'd mm-hmm. like to uh, go to the Waste Management. I've been to Augusta. I've been to a lot of cool uh, venues, but we're making, you know, a, a quote-unquote bucket list of different things. And, um, you know, it's 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 great to have a, a sports aficionado as my wife that, that really – I mean, she wants to take me to a Georgia football game. Uh, <laughs> in a, it, I'm telling you, in about two weeks, two weeks from now, we're going to the stadium series to watch the Caps play the Hurricanes uh, at NC State, which was a, a Christmas present for all of us in terms of our family. Um, there's a lot of really cool things that, that we're looking to do. I'll, when the Ravens schedule comes out, um, we'll take a look at – uh, some of the home games, some of the away games, um, and if it, you know, I'd love to go. To, I've never been to New, or- New Orleans. I've never, you know, there's a lot of cool places that I'd like to visit. And now I have a very competent co-pilot that says, "Hey, let's go do this. You want to do this? Let's go do it." You know, so um, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, you know, it's it's funny you brought that up because I was talking to uh, a woman who's a teacher who was in uh, next room for me. Uh, the other yesterday, I guess, but I, I saw her today. She was telling me at lunch all about uh, the weekend before last, and mm-hmm. her uh, boyfriend is a big Bengals fan, mm-hmm. and the two of Sorry them, flew, well, they flew up to 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 uh, Buffalo, and mm-hmm. were at the game in the snow, mm-hmm. and. The 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 whole time, and she's oh, it was fantastic. And what happened is they were at I don't know where it was. I forget what she told me. And they met Joe Burrow's parents, <laughs> and cute. Joe Burrow's parents invited them uh, out to uh, dinner with this mm. group of uh, people. So they got to spend the time with Joe Burrow and his parents and had a blast. Mm-hmm. And they're going to keep in touch. And I want to tell you, the two of them are sports fanatics. I never met him. I just know talking mm-hmm. to her, you know. Right. But it just, I sure. said, you know, I told her, I said, hey, listen, for a young couple, boy, this is the great thing you got to do, okay? Sure. Because when you're older, you don't get to, you don't want to really do any, go to any games right. like that, you know, or travel. Well, but I, you know, I, I, I it's wanna, just what you and your wife are doing. That's exactly sure. what they were doing. Well, I mean, you know, look, um, you know, life is a, a little blip, and I think you have to take advantage of of some really, you know, quality and, and good situations. And and uh, we're we're both um, huge sports fans, and um, you know, look, it's nice to watch your teams play and and win and, and win championships and see them, you know, at, at their home venues. But it's also you know, cool to, to engage yourself, if you will, in, in the process of, of whether it's tailgating or traveling or, or whatever. And the, and the cool part is, 
I'm not sure that we can officially pull this off. Um, it's been discussed in our family, but um, when we go to watch the stadium series at NC State, ironically, uh, the GW baseball team is on their spring trip, and I believe they play East Carolina, which is probably about an hour from there. Yeah, not and there's a dis- well, there's a discussion that we we may go see one of their games. Um, and do a and double header. Cool- well, the cool <laughs> part is the the head coach at uh, GW was my freshman mentor. I spent a weekend at his house. Um, I'll tell you a quick story, but he uh, he woke me up the first morning. Jesus Christ, it, it was oh dark thirty, and we went to this little pancake house near his near his um, house, and I got three chocolate chip pancakes, and I was just one of those, you know, I was a young guy. I was 18 years old, and I just, I probably got through about maybe one and a half of those pancakes. And I, I think I sensed the fact that he was pissed off at me because I didn't eat all my food, and, and he had to pay for it. <laughs> so, so, so fast forward. I mean, you're talking like 20 years later, 25 years later. I go to a home game at GW, and and lo and behold, this guy was my mentor. He was the he was the head coach now. So I walked over to the to the dugout and I said to this one little guy, it was I forget what number it was, I said, listen, I said, go go tell Coach Richie, Doug Hamilton, class of nineteen ninety six is here. And so he goes over and he says something, the coach comes over. I handed him a ten dollar bill. And and Coach Richie says to me, he says, What's the ten dollars for? I said, Coach, this is for the stack of pancakes I never ate when I was a freshman and I know you were pissed off at me, but I wanted to pay you back. So, <laughs> Hasn't he been there like twenty some years? No, nah, he hasn't been there that long. He's uh, uh, gosh, I'd give you ten years probably. Um, but but Greg Ritchie, um, he went as high as Triple A at the uh, San Francisco Giants organization. I mean, he was he could run, he could throw, he could hit. Um, I don't know why he never made it uh, to the major leagues. I mean, I know that the time frame that he was in that system. The Giants were signing a lot of those kind of cast-offs, if you will, um, you know, major league players that were trying to revitalize themselves. And I know that he kind of got blocked by some of those guys. But um, he, he's been a, a pretty good – I mean, look, the GW program um, has grown leaps and bounds since I was there. I mean, the field that we played at is the same field they play at now, which at the time I played at was an absolute dump. And um, they've done some really wonderful things to um, – you know, just upgrade it a nice place. Yeah, they definitely upgrades. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, when you're talking about Northwest DC, you're you're going to have a difficult time facility wise and recruit wise and getting people to come there. Um, you know, as opposed to all oh, these other incredible schools that they could go to. Um, I mean, playing in the Atlantic Ten isn't probably the dream of many of those kids. But you know, he's had a lot of draftable players. I mean, there was a GW guy, uh, Mike O'Connor, that played uh, major leagues. He, pitch for the Nationals. There's been some other guys, but, I mean, it's, you know, few and far between. But, I mean, he does a good job with what he has for sure. How about your Orioles now? They, they seem to be doing some very quiet work behind the scenes, picking well, up a few players here and there. And I saw yeah. their uh, their roster, their 40, uh, you know, looking better than I thought they were supposed to be. Well, there's a, there's a couple key points, and and although I I chime in after after Mike, I know that we've had some discussions uh, with regard to um, his um, outlook, if you will, on the Orioles and 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 their ability to move. Uh, he had talked about them moving to 
Um, I think it was Nashville or whatever. But today was the deadline, if you will, for the Orioles to um, invoke a one-time five-year um, window, if you will, uh, that would that would keep them in Baltimore. Um, and I had, I had just seen before I came on the air with you guys, they declined to uh, opt for that five-year window. And they declined. They declined. And, and the reason they declined it is because, um, as I continue to read the article, um, their, their hopes are that they can uh, work out a longer-term deal. They'd like to be in Baltimore um, and sign about a 15-year deal. And if they sign this deal, they have roughly 11 months to do so. Um, it does trigger a $600 million windfall that they can upgrade the stadium or the surrounding areas. And then that also gives the Baltimore Ravens the same $600 million to do the same uh, through the state of Maryland. So that's, that's why they declined it. And if anybody were to read into it any differently, they would be incorrect as to say they're not moving anywhere. They're not going anywhere. I know that the Angelus family has um, some internal strife, but at the end of the day, they're, they're looking to stay in Baltimore and want to sign a long-term deal. Uh, to your point, um, you know, Don, I know that there's the, the, the top baseball America top 100 came out and I know that, uh, the Orioles have, I think eight of the top 100, um, and, and they'll, and there were people that were left off of that list that, that, that you know, in 2024, they're going to have another eight and in 2025, they'll have another, eight, you know what I mean? So right. they, they've got a, a pretty good outlook. Um, I mean, we've got a full year of Gunnar Henderson, which, I think if you go to the betting lines, Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez are two of the top three rookie of the year candidates uh, right now. And so, you know, we've got a full year of Gunnar, a full year of, of Adley. Um, quiet moves. I mean, I don't know. I, I, well, they, uh, according know, to the, what I just, what I read was uh, last Friday, they were in the top 14 for, uh, you know, what their prognostication was uh, as the, the top minor, the top minor league players, and the players that they've mm-hmm. made some moves with uh, right. to step in and become a, a competitive team with the top echelon in the American League East. Yeah, I mean they they have um, you know guys that that have been at the major league level for you know several years in terms of their starting lineups. Um, you know, I, I know they like Kyle Stowers um, as a possibility in in the outfield. I know that. As we mentioned, Gunnar Henderson is going to be their third baseman. I think Mateos should be should have been a Gold Glove shortstop last year. Urias was a, a Gold Glove third baseman. Um, you know, they signed Adam Frazier, Ryan Mountcastle, Adley Rutschman, Cedric Mullins, uh, Anthony Santander. I mean, that's pretty much their starting lineup. And then you know they're going to sprinkle in some guys that um, are going to work their way through the the organization. Colton Kowser is a guy from the outfield to keep keep in mind. I think he'll be up. At some point this year, uh, Jordan Westberg's another one. Kobe Mayo, uh, Joey Ortiz. Um, they've they've got a a nice little pipeline of, of individuals. I I don't know. I'm concerned um, from a starting pitching standpoint. I don't know what they're going to do with DL Hall, and I don't know if Grayson Rodriguez is, is going to break um, spring training as a starter or whether he's those. I, I don't know what they're going to do with those guys. I mean, it, they have some options. Um, you know the the guy they signed from from Philadelphia that they they like as their as one of their top starting pitchers. The guy they traded for for uh, uh, Oakland Irvin. Um, they they right. like him obviously. Um, I think Dean Kramer 
uh, Shadona's spot in their starting five. I think that um, Kyle Bradish probably should should garner a spot. I don't know who that last spot goes to, whether it's Grayson Rodriguez. Um, Tyler Wells pitched well last year. Will he be in the bullpen? Um, you know, there's there's still, as I listened to 105.7 and Jason Locke and Fora, I think there's still reason to believe that uh, there's an imminent trade at some point in time. I think that um, the Orioles are targeting um, uh, uh, what's his name, Brandon Woodruff, I think from from Milwaukee, um, as a possibility. So I mean, I, I think to get a guy like that, you're going to have to give up, you know, probably Austin Hayes and and, and some other good players, you know, potentially to do Doug, it. Thank, hold on, right there. I got to throw it back to Frank because our time is up for tonight. I want to thank all our guests. <laughs> we had a great show tonight. A lot of fun. Talking about the games, we didn't even get the football, Doug. So what? We hold that back till next week for the Super Bowl. But thank you very much, Frank. Take over to close have this out. Have a great out. week, Doug. Frank, Don, thank have you. a great week. God bless. Take care. See you guys soon. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and men and women who supply services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. We're all going through very tough times right now. Not everybody wearing a uniform is bad. Please keep that in mind. These programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Jeffrey Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman yeah, Jeffrey Colcat, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Sergeant Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, Santiago Officer Mike Henner. Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Connor, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Crystal Bay, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman <coughs> Patrol Deputy, Sergeant Patrolman Officer Crystal Lake from PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerwin, Newcastle County Police, Deputy Josh Meyer, Right, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Deputy Mike Hargrave, Dinellas County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Brian Lane, Brain Lane, Polk County Sheriff's Department, and De- Deputy uh, Chris Myers, Polk County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, though, you may be 10 7 at this point in time, and sometime will be 10 10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the roads, be, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rain fall softly on your fields and sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again. May the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hollow of his hands. Good night. God bless. And have a great week.
County dispatch to 1999. County dispatch to 1999. Oh, you're in a speed of eyes, 1999 is responding to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. Thank you.